How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in SA where everything is not made up and there are no points. Welcome, Nick. Hello. Thank you for having me, Al. Uh, Rod will probably do a voiceover of both parts because <laughs> How's it, Internet is his bit and the rest is mine. Yeah, Al's being super optimistic about me recording interstitial bits to cut into this. But it's good to have you on the show, This uh, shaking up the segment this week. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I get to say something on your podcast, which is also fantastic. It's yeah. wonderful to be a guest. Yeah, so you're doubling up as um, someone going through in the news with us as well as our official guest for the show. I'm glad to be here and I'm happy to, to try and be the news announcer. So let's give it a go. All right, so before we jump into the uh, In the News segment, uh, can we just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, well, actually, I want to do this. So by the time this is, it will be tomorrow, which is before the 1st of July. So we're not 100% sure yet, but if Nick survives the cut for the 1st of July, he will be an 11-time MVP. And if you look at the combo of exchange MVPs and exchange MCMs, there's only eight of them that have both titles at the same time currently in the world. That's right. Okay, so I got that bit, that bit correctly. Yes, yes. Okay, so there are eight of us in the world. And I'm, as you say, there's a bit of angst going around if I will be renewed by the end of the month. Kind of the same angst that you have, except <laughs> that I've done this for the last 11 years. And we never know if we will be renewed or not because it's an award. It's not a guarantee. So Microsoft could change their minds. They could figure out that whatever we did was not good enough. Yeah. And then we live with the shame of that. But you've never had it not renewed. That's correct. I've whereas, never had it not be renewed. Whereas I have. Which is, shall we just say, a different kind of learning experience. <laughs> uh, then I happen to be renewed the following year or awarded again. Yes. So I have two of those slider jobbies. So we just have to point out that Al is pointing to a magnificently used full glass statue <laughs> that Microsoft sends us as MVPs that you can add these discs on. Sliders. Sliders. Well, uh, you've got to be careful there because our American audience may be confused about food. Well, there's, an, there's a video by Christian Buckley. All right. On how to add the slider to the award. Yes. Because there was some confusion a couple of years back around. When you get a slider, what do you do with it and how it gets added to the rest of the, well, the trophy. That's amazing. Since we actually get this infographic thing with, you know, it's not quite as cool as an Apple thing that you buy. Can we say that? Can we, we say can Apple say things? We can say it's that. wonderful. You know, since it's a Microsoft Focus show, we can mention the A word. And with that, there's this picture of how you slide something on something else with arrows. Arrows on the right location is very important. Yeah, so I've got, I've got two of those and I don't know where to put my ears. Oh, right. So the years go on the bottom. Yeah, but I've got two trophies. Oh. Because they skipped a year. Oh, right. And yes. And then I got awarded last year. You, you've got to go with the second trophy because, you know, the first one you can't count. Because there's a gap, ah, right? Okay, fair enough. Yes. Oh, consecutives. Yes. Okay. Yes, consecutives. Okay. And that's why I don't have, well, you see, I've got my very first certificate on there, which was circa 2007. And it's been a... 
Yeah, big big thing to consider. I've been renewed since 2007. I remember actually still where I lived and where I was and my wife took me out for dinner and we celebrated and I have a a rough idea that she knew what this MVP thing really was. The first one. The first one. Well, I got this award from Microsoft and um, I don't know about you, but do the people in your life really know what you do for a living? No, no, not at all. See, my kids think, well, the one child thinks that I repair PCs. Oh, everyone does. And the other one thinks I write software for Microsoft. Okay. Right. You know, if, if, I, if I did that, then I... Um, Probably wouldn't be recording this podcast from my office. I'd be doing it from an island <laughs> that I own. Uh, my kids, my kids do not know what what I do. They kind of think I build websites or mm. fix PCs. Mm. That's, that's so it's neither it, here nor there. It's an interesting thing where you and I are both are since we started in the on-premises world. Yes, and so I have an award for a product which is on-premises based. It's Exchange. That's correct. So We both have those. Yes. So the issue that I have is that my product group makes no bones about it that the user base is shrinking. And they very publicly will admit that they're willing to release more on-premises versions while there is demand. I'm in the same boat. But now bear in mind that Exchange, before it went online, was a billion a billion dollar product, right? So is SharePoint. Yes. So with that, Microsoft being the financially savvy spreadsheet-driven organization that it is, would say that at some point, it doesn't make sense to run Exchange for a couple of million mailboxes on-premises anymore. No, they will, they will cut like they cut InfoPath and like they cut SharePoint Designer. It's gone. It's gone. No, you can still use it, but it's gone. And I think it's by 2020 or 2022. Mm. No Extended support. Yeah. So where we all are, I think, in the MVP world where we're on-premises focused and in all fairness, where our customers are that are on-premises focused, there's this three-year cycle that still happens for them. And in online, it's no no more three-year cycle. It's more like a two-week cycle. Yeah. Whatever, whatever's topical at the time. Oh, look, whatever comes... The most votes in user voice mm. becomes the future. Yes. And <laughs> so, the, and the waffle gets extended. I know we'll talk about the waffle later, but the waffle, that's the icon uh, of the top left-hand side, folks, for those of you who are not running Office 365. That'll be the two users who've been living under rock since the 1940s. That's that waffle on the top left-hand side of your browser. Yeah. Strangely enough, I spoke to an insurance company last week. Was it last week? It might have even been this week that have no intentions of moving to the cloud. Zero. Mm. Um, so there's still, but you know what it is? It's traditional IT. You would understand what traditional IT people look like. And within 13 seconds of having conversations with them, you'll know exactly who they are. So there's a problem with that, right? And the problem is that your vendor will. Even though it's 10 years from now, let's assume there'll never be another version of Exchange or SharePoint. That takes us to, well, it's uh, 2016. Let's just assume there's no major milestones and service packs. Because Microsoft does support based on the last service pack. Does yeah. five years plus and then extended support. So let's just assume it's 2016 for both of our products. That means extended support ends in 2026. Yeah. 
And if you are a company running on-premises software that's 10 years old, refusing to move to the cloud, that's a problem. Have you seen companies currently that are still running Server 2003? Well, a few years ago, mate, we were still running into companies running NT4. That's vicious, though. Absolutely. But then the problem with that is is that if we look at what's happening in in the the current world of zero-day viruses and the kind of patching that we're doing just to stay ahead of that. But that's an interesting one. So Microsoft wants you to go to Windows 10 so badly that they even forced you to go to Windows 10. Yes, yes. Well, that subversion free upgrade thing. So we're not sure. I don't know what the peak or the plateau is right now for Windows 10 upgrades. Mm -hmm. But I'm almost sure that if you look at zero-day patching, Windows 10 upgrades, the new, what's it, Pantaya, Pantaya, Mm. whatever it's called. Yeah. The new one. The new WannaCry. It's the old, but it's not really WannaCry. It wasn't ransomware. It was more around worms. Yes, but it's it's a worm propagation mechanism. Yeah. And we saw that with the, with the first, what was it, B-Stone, the stone virus. Yes. From, from back in the early 90s. Um, so nothing's changed, but I don't think it's necessarily... The guys that make money of antivirus are Symantec and everyone else. Mm. No longer does Symantec make money because Windows says there's Defender, you can use Intune, mm. you can manage everything. They tossed TMG, strangely enough, so I don't know what's happening with the definition updates. And at one stage, they said they, they have seven definition updates and you could choose five from them and all of those things. But it's one way of saying, conspiracy theorists would say that Microsoft has got a faction of, you know, sort of an underground team coming up with these cool things out of the Ukraine to get people to move to Windows 10. Well, I love Windows 10. I think it's the best OS well, outside of Windows 95, 950B mm. to be exact. Exact. Or was that Windows 98? No, it was Windows 95, 950B. Outside of with the, that patched version of Windows 95, uh, Windows 10 just works. I haven't had issues with Windows 10. Well, you would have noticed that next to me, shivering in delight, is my MacBook. Yes. And that's because I have had issues with Windows 10. The guys then got into a 20-minute discussion about MacBook Pros and Fitbits and such, which I've cut out out of sheer vindictiveness. Coming back to what we were talking about, Exchange, where do you see it going? Goodness me. You know, we've been trying to to peer through that lens and trying to figure out where Exchange as a product is going. And over the last few years, we've had... The, the advent of IM coming into the mainstream. And we've had these weird conversations about, is IM replacing mail? So clearly it isn't. And one of the big reasons for that is mail is still this asynchronous mechanism that allows me to fire and forget something and wait for a reply or just know that I've sent it. And it's semi-guaranteed. And depending on what vendor I use, I can have guaranteed delivery. And clearly that's not IM. IM gives me lots of stuff that mail doesn't in terms of group chat and interactivity, that type of thing. So what has Microsoft been doing with mail? Well, we look at what we have in Office 365 groups. So that's still mail. It's a deal and a shared mailbox all in one, but it's still mail. It's interesting that you call it Office 365 groups because when we create a group in SharePoint, it's more than a group. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. However, you know, you're asking me a male question, right? So I look at where are we and where have we come from? So we started off with individual mailboxes and then we had distribution lists and then we had calendaring, you know, the holy grail of productivity, still calendaring. And then we had that thing that we fondly remember as public folders. You know, users loved them, administrators had them. Oh, wow. Well, you know, if you want to go that far back, then we can talk about Exchange 2003, where we still had a native workflow engine. And if you want to talk about that M drive that became SharePoint, right? So these things in the, in the, actually, there was Exchange 2000, not 2003. So 2003, we lost the, um, the M drive because, you know, people used to scan it and horrible things happened to it and attachments broke. Yeah. So mail. I honestly don't think that mail is going away. I, I don't know what's happening on premises because the value from a commodity service, particularly a tra- commodity transport service, storage service, and client rendering, you know, that's all easy to do in cloud. So where's the value of having it on premises unless you have a customer that says, over my dead body, will I go to cloud? Mm-hmm. Or I just don't have the bandwidth, which is in all fairness, unless you've been to the back end of Australia where I have been, where the amount of fiber that you can lay still comes all the way around the continent from Sydney. And so you're battling with the speed of light to manage mm-hmm. things like latency, just like we do in Africa. For now. For now. So with that, mail's not going to go away, but I think what we know about mail and what we take for granted and what mail may become will change. How, how does... Office 365 affect you? Because I've got a very good friend of mine, Vlad Katrinescu. Um, I just say his name because it's that we said. Who is the poster child for SharePoint infrastructure optimization. Um, he wrote the book a couple of years, or about five years ago, on telling everyone that changing your NTFS block size for SQL will revolutionize your access times to ship it. Mm-hmm. And it did. So now Microsoft goes, rah, 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 everything. If you're not talking Azure, we don't want to know you anymore. Mm. If you're not talking cloud, one of the three clouds we have, if you're not selling CRM, Office 365 or Azure, we don't talk to you. Mm. And like you said earlier on, Microsoft is still committed to delivering on-premise versions of For now. For now. Look, we know that there is at least one on-premise version of SharePoint left. Probably two. 2019, the fact that they're doing feature pack updates, we're getting, with feature pack two, we're getting the the SharePoint framework or a part of the SharePoint framework. We're getting the modern lists and libraries experience, look and feel for on-premise SharePoint. Is there still validity for someone... I come from an infrastructure background mm-hmm. to go in and say, let me architect your SharePoint environment. In your case, let me architect your infrastructure for Exchange. Well, I'm still doing it today. I right. still have on-premises customers today. However, I've got very few engagements that are not in some way wanting to integrate that as the next step to Office 365 in one of the hybrid models that we support, which includes Exchange or Exchange and SharePoint or Exchange and SharePoint and Skype for Business. But what it does for me personally, bear in mind, I've got the investment of being a a Microsoft certified master. 
And that was three weeks of my life in Redmond. I, I don't understand how you guys managed to do that. It was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever done. It probably is the hardest thing in my professional career. And that's given me a depth in exchange that's difficult to not appreciate what exchange can do under the hood. Mm. You know, we had, I think it was three days on transport. And transport is something that we just take for granted. Yeah, you send a mail and it just works. However, the the SharePoint and SQL and Active Directory MCMs had similar two, three weeks experiences. So what that's done for me from a, a career point of view is that if I was looking at purely on-premises exchange, I would be severely curtailed because my market is shrinking. I've spent the last few years building hosted exchange and I've spent a lot of time moving people to Office 365 and we've done a lot of the early work you know, some of the first in-country multi-forest type of things. And we've done a lot of partner-to-partner -partner things. We've helped partners figure out how to move to cloud. And what it's done for me personally as a professional is it's actually attracted me more to Azure as opposed to a commodity service that just works, which is Exchange Online. Because from a problem-solving view, there's not many problems to solve. Yeah. Unless you're taking something from on-premises and there's a mess to clean up or a model to design, which very often there is, and then move them to cloud. But for me personally, a lot of my personal focus has gone to Azure because there we've got this building block approach and there's a lot of problems that we need to solve for customers that are trying to figure out how to move to cloud and they have no idea how to do that besides thinking that they can replace a data center with Azure, which is the wrong approach. Yeah. So with that, <clears throat> I think for me personally, you'll, you'll still see a large exchange focus because it's been 20 years of my life so far, mm -hmm. but I'll be spending a lot of time in the Azure world and I'm, I'm already speaking a lot about things like Azure Site Recovery where it's uh, it's something that I've, I've spent, I think, the last year in, in terms of how do we lift and shift people to the cloud? And that's obviously one of the mechanisms. One of the things that Microsoft promised early on, and I think you'll remember this promise, is we won't take your jobs away. Oh. Right? But now, I... Uh, oh, by the way, here's a bot framework, but we won't take your job away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I remember the, the, the early days of uh, software replacing people where and and I worked for a different software vendor then and we built software that did result instead of policy and we took something that took a human being three days to do in a result instead of policy for GPO and did it in 15 minutes or less yeah. or minutes so yes the cloud will take a job it has to and Microsoft says well you then need to go and reinvent yourself but how do you do that yeah. when you've been an exchange guy or a SharePoint guy, and now you are administering the GUI in a service. So from a SharePoint point of view, there's a lot of richness to be had in the platform. Obviously, besides the, the dev part and the build part, there's so many things that we can do in online. But from an exchange point of view, once you've moved your stuff into the online stuff, yeah. where do you go? What do you do? You know, besides live with the, the barrage of new features that are coming around and help your, your business survive those? It's becoming a mishmash now. Mm. 
So I was saying to Michael O'Donovan at the SHARE conference, I said, mate, we've got five communities that touch each other. We've got Azure. We've got the Office 365 technical community, mm-hmm. BI, information worker, and anyway, let's just work on those four. So if I do <coughs> I do a Power Apps and Flow, and they're actually doing a Know Your Flow uh, at next next month's Office 365 usually. Mm. But Power Apps and Flow, yes, it's external. It's a companion app, but it talks to SharePoint. It will talk to something in Azure. Or if, like my webinar yesterday was around Azure Information Protection. Mm. I talk about content stored in Exchange. It sits in Azure, SharePoint and OneDrive. So that affects those communities, and that's what we see. And you had a webinar talking about OneDrive. Mm. The same concept is there. So I think moving more into productivity from a business perspective than talking about the nuts and bolts of, okay, I'm adding an extra domain to my SMTP server mm. um, so that I can do some routing and I'm not running any relays and I'm blocking these things. That's We're moving that away so that we as consultants become, move away from doing technical consulting more to business consulting. Yes. And yes. That's, that's what we're seeing. And it's great that, because for the most part, you get SharePoint consultants that have only ever touched you. They bought a beer and they moved into the space and bought. They don't understand the rest. And that's where I see the richness come through. Because now you can walk into a customer and have a much broader conversation mm. because of that interconnect between, well, if I'm talking Office 365, I need to understand the periodic table that I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's great for consultants because then you're not siloed and you, you know, with the with the blinkers on. All right, well, we, we're getting to the top of the bit of the interview. How do people get a hold of you? Are you on the Twitter right? Is the interwest? I am indeed. So you'll find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And it's all at Nicholas Blank. That's Nicholas without a K or an H. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, Instagram, you'll find very, well, not boring, but you'll see a lot of the stuff I post when I travel, and I travel a lot. So Lately, lots of pictures of Hong Kong and London and things in Europe. Twitter, I, I tweet excessively. There's a lot of news that I do. My news tends to be around Office 365 and Azure and Exchange. Funny that. Wow. Yeah. And um, LinkedIn, yeah, you'll find me there as well. And I do have a blog, Blankman blog. And I found that a lot of the kind of online effort I put in tends to be in, in Twitter and webinars much more than the blogging I used to do, but I still do blog occasionally. All right. And you have a new show start. I do have a new show. Yes. It's going to be a podcast. So looking at you and say, thank you very much for some of the inspiration that's come from you. <laughs> it's going to be with myself and another gentleman called Warren Dutoy. And we are going to be focusing on cloud. All right. It's going to be very much in our world, which is not just news, but infrastructure and how do we make stuff useful. It's going to be called Cloud Architects. And what we'll major on is 
So there's a new Google data center, a new Azure data center, or there's a specific piece of Azure functionality. And how do I make all of that work in some context, as opposed to having just another Azure focused podcast that talks about the news? Okay. Well, I'm glad even Microsoft's launching new podcasts because it's something that we see uh, value in. All right. Well, Nick, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Al. It's been great being here. It great is being here since we're not done yet. Yeah. And what we're going to do now, and we haven't told Rod yet. Yeah, yeah. Nobody tells me anything. Because Nick's moving into the podcast section, we're going to see if we can get Nick to do In the News. That's very kind of you. So let's start off with communication sites. So tell us a bit about that, Nick. Well, the thing that I'll tell you as I read this heading is that SharePoint communication sites begin rollout to Office 365 customers. Yes, I think it's the greatest departure. Well, not the greatest departure. It's the biggest thing to come out of SharePoint Online since SharePoint Online. That's a big statement. It's it's big. I think Team is big. So when Microsoft launched Teams, everyone went, wow, it's the, it's the new Slack. Yes. Okay. And that lasted for about two months, and no one talks about Teams anymore. Communication sites are, is the new interface. So everyone creates a team site. You create an Office 365 group, create a team site. You say new site, it creates a group with your Office 365, well, or your Office 365 group with your team site. Everyone knows what a team site is. This is the newest, the first time Microsoft has added any templated-based interface to SharePoint since its inception. Al, I don't know how customers are supposed to live in this world where you can say, that feature is so three months ago. (laughs) (laughs) How do you build a business when the platform that you're using revises that quickly? Well, it it is true. so that's why I said user voice. User voice is if you get enough people to vote for something, they'll build it. Um, we've actually seen some of the new stuff has been built because of user voice. But it's the greatest thing. There's a new web part interface. There's the hero web part. There's a whole bunch of new features coming with it. Um, and it's great. It was launched at the virtual summit in last month by Jeff Tieper. And it's actually starting to roll out now. So everyone's hitting the refresh button to see what it does. And it's got a rich interface. And I feel sorry for companies that have built businesses around internet in a boxes. Yes. Because if you look at this now, I'm going to be hard-pressed to go to a customer and say, buy Valo or buy Unili or buy, buy Atala or, or buy the other ones that are out there because Microsoft has gone and said, well, look at what we've done. It's, it's literally right. that cutthroat. Yes. Um, so, I, I don't know. You, you don't have those sort of similar experiences where they're not going to buy mail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, not buying mail is like, I'm not going to buy a car and I still need to get to work. But there's no public transport, you know. Shall we talk about the, the shocker of the day? And this one you, 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 you can relate to. More than the first one. Well, yeah. So let's go with the the shock value. Microsoft delays team guest access feature. So have you used Slack before? I have, and I didn't like it. Shock horror. And the reason why I didn't like it, it because it was yet another I am client. Yeah. And I'm drowning in I am clients. Yeah. So 
We tried it inside the company. It worked for about three weeks and then everyone spontaneously stopped using it. And we're not a development house either. So yeah. we don't have a reason to use it. Our customers love it if they have got a, a development background. And those are the same customers who also look at teams and say, yes, that makes sense to us. But we don't have much of that kind of requirement since we are a bunch of infrastructure geeks. Mm. Yeah, there's no sprint plans. Yeah. No, no. No, no, no Kanbans, no sprint plans. If we're sprinting, it's towards the fridge. Yeah. To get a beer on a Friday. On a Friday. Because everything's still running. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes, you build it once properly and it keeps on yeah. running. So I, I like the idea of, of teams, predominantly for companies that have used some sort of working out loud platform for groups of people in the organization. Mm. Um, you've had Yammer. Yammer's got the same functionality. This is just a new flavor of the week. Yeah. So, oh, look, this caramel ice cream. Great. I taste it. Oh, next week, it's like, you know, you are page three news mm. this week. Next next week, you might be the last page. And then people forget about you. So, I teams teams are fine for working with exactly that team. So, if we've got a group of people putting together a tender or working on a project, mm. or, you know, building something inside a SharePoint, great. Communication, upload files, this is what you're thinking about. Grab a screenshot. Works better than IMing, the traditional mm. IM with Skype. Although we do a lot of chat on Skype. Well, th this is still what we use, uh, um, sorry to say, a lot of mail for. However, the mail in this case is ring-fenced around an Office 365 group. Yeah. And for those of you who may be confused about this Office 365 group thing, it used to be called a modern group which in the 2013 time frame was called, do you remember? No. Well, it was a team site that had a shared mailbox attached. Oh, I remember that. That's right. I remember that. Yes. I had to get a, had to get a team mailbox, a shared mailbox going inside of, of SharePoint. And yeah, that, that was, we actually spoke about it on the show a few months ago, specifically around And, and it was a lot of work. On premises, it was a lot. It still is a lot of work, yeah. and where we are now online, obviously, it just works. And Microsoft has sorted out their provisioning glue well enough so that you can provision one of these, and all of the subcomponents are readily available in a few minutes or less, where you don't have to spend fifteen minutes waiting for the OneDrive component to render or the OneNote component to render. Yeah, no, they've they've, they've packaged the product quite neatly. Next on the list, uh, speaking about OneNote and OneDrive, there's some new features uh, shipping for OneDrive in the classroom. So they've got some nice uh, LMS, learning management systems, um, integrations. There's some richer stuff and there's a lot more around stickers. So think of you're running a classroom of grade fives and you want to add stickers and they've got two notations. There's also Microsoft Dictate, which we spoke about last week. Uh, so they're adding more feature-rich functions specifically around edu mainly because on may 2nd this year microsoft said office 365 free to students and teachers and teachers yeah that's a biggie because yeah, student and faculty. faculty tends to be charged for no, no, i agree with you there so you can get i think it's an uh there's an edu plan mm -hmm. so there's the freemium version which and you get your E5 yeah. version, which is 100 bucks a month um, for, for teachers. So you still get the same features, except I think the only thing you don't get is Office downloads for Windows. Mm -hmm. But you get it for tablet. So. Yeah. 
So any mobile device you're working for free, um, but you don't get it on-premise. And, <clears throat> and coming back to the topic, OneNote is big in classroom situations, and we've seen a lot of LMS integration specifically into Moodle and the likes in the last few months specifically with OneNote. Look, it makes sense that Microsoft is, is ramping up their OneNote offering, specifically because September is new term, new school year for the U.S. That's right. Um, and then they start pushing it now. So think about onboarding, offboarding, mm. students moving from Google to Microsoft and then managing that entire ecosystem. So students leave or they go to alumni, <clears throat> new faculty members start, you've got temps, uh, teachers coming in, you've got new students coming in. So how do you move, manage, protect content that you're serving to your educators as mm. well as your students. That's big. And mm. that's a big push for Microsoft right now. New Scholastic Year starts and they're prepping now already. That's why we're seeing a lot of stuff coming out of Microsoft for, for OneDrive. And you'll probably Very see cool. that roll through till late August, early September, and then they'll move on to something else. Yeah. In the form of content, lots of new stuff coming. Um, some of these things are actually um, up your alley. The four secrets to a connected workplace discover how SharePoint and OneDrive promote collaboration. That's not exactly a shocker thinking about SharePoint and OneDrive promoting collaboration. And I'll tell you why. I think of OneDrive, obviously it's a manifestation of SharePoint. Well, no, it's not. Well, which OneDrive are we talking about now? Both. Consumer and? Well, you've got... OneDrive personal. Yes. And you've got OneDrive for business. Yes. Is consumer manifestation of SharePoint? No. You've got storage, stick it somewhere. Yes. It's to go up against Dropbox. And a sync client that really works really nicely. Well, no. Let's not talk about the sync client. Uh, Apparently, they're fixing all the sync clients. And you know that Windows 10 Mm. anniversary update or creators update has its own sync client. Which is the next gen client. Only available on Windows 10. Yes. Well, the next-gen sync client sucks, even though it doesn't suck. There's no Azure information protection for the next-gen sync client. Yep. And they said maybe by night. Well, I run the next-gen client on my Mac, and the thing that I don't get is multi-author collaboration, which is something that you'll have in the Windows world. So what I do to get around that is I still save all my bits in SharePoint, and I send an invite from there, and then I have multi-author. Oh. But it's not as nice and sleek and sexy as, as what you have in the Windows world. Look, Microsoft um, announced files on demand for OneDrive, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So you can sync the view and then selectively sync what documents you actually want to see in OneDrive, which is great. Only available on Windows 10. Creators update. And if you buy now. Yeah. And look at those. Moving on. Get your guides to cloud business transformation. That one would tickle your fancy. And it does. Microsoft does publish a bunch of really, really good books in the clouds world. And if you need to figure out how to go to cloud, actually, if you're looking at cloud vendors, most of the time, if you sit with cloud vendor X and you're trying to think of how to use their service, you go to Gartner and buy a framework. However, with Microsoft, Microsoft has actually... I'm just trying to think of how many books. They've, they've done some amazing work in the Azure space. 
And I did say I've been spending a fair chunk of, of the last few years in the Azure space in terms of how to move to cloud. Obviously, in Office 365, there's, gosh, which part of Office 365 do we move to? And there's also been a lot of work published in there. But obviously, from a, a Microsoft standpoint, so a lot of our customers would want to ask, you know, since we're talking about mail, how do I integrate my on-premises FireEye or Iron Port with EOP? Because I don't trust EOP, so I still want everything to run on-premises for compliance reasons, right? And and very often we have to work with that security guy who is shocked and horrified that you could now run Active Sync. Well. It's not 1999 anymore. People want to use mail on their phones. Yeah, Windows, mobile 2003, I remember that. Yes, but very large scroll, absolutely. Microsoft has published some fantastic books over the last few years and done it for absolutely free or mahala. So you should be seeing quite a lot of talk around threat protection and threat management, all the gateways and all that. That's right. And that was EA... Uh, EOP Exchange Online Protection. Mm -hmm. Okay, for the listeners out there that doesn't know the acronyms. And what it used to be beforehand, which was FOPI, a very sexy acronym, which was Forefront Online Protection for Exchange. Oh, wow. You remember that entire suite of products called FOPI that just disappeared into thin air, one of which, of course, included TMG, or Threat Management Gateway. Yeah, and then you could buy Unified Access Gateway, which was an appliance that shipped with TMG on it. And before that, it was called ISA. Before that, yes. it was called Proxy. Yes. Yes. I remember having good times with Proxy 2.0 ah, at 3 yes. o'clock in the morning. Uh, that was good Good times. Good times. So let's talk a bit about about the threat protection that, that we're seeing coming through on your side. I mean, there's mention of, of EOP there in my notes around malicious code. Um, being You can detect it now. So that's also the other thing. So... If you're an exchange admin, so you've got an exchange administrator role in... On-premises or online? Office 365. Yeah. Okay. Do you still get the rich security and compliance into or are you only limited to that bits that make up exchange? Well, if I am consulting to a customer, if I'm having anything to do with selling exchange, it'd be silly to not sell the full stack. Because what some people may not know is that EOP is actually built on Exchange. Yes, that's where it started. Well, previously, FOPI was a third-party service that was acquired, which is actually Linux-based. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And Microsoft rebuilt it from the ground up. And obviously, there's a rebranding involved because we need to rebrand something at least once a year and cause confusion in the market. Because otherwise, how do you and I still retain our job security? Yeah. Let's yeah. call it Azure Information Protection and screw with everyone. Yes, and it is RMS-based to just make things even more confusing. Not IRM, it's RMS, except when you say SharePoint because then it's IRM. So that's right. a little subtle nuances. Yes. So um, threat protection in EOP has been getting better over the last few months. From you know the holy grail of can I just rely on EOP for spam and hygiene? It hasn't been there over the last few years, and a lot of it has been from the misunderstanding of how EOP does things or how Microsoft does things from a a spam management point of view. And a lot of it is machine learning based, which is also not really misunderstood, which means that if you switch it on, there'll be a mess in the beginning. Well, the service learns, but with all things machine learning, you've got to give it some space and time to learn. So it's a very different model. 
However, obviously from a, a zero day and threat protection URL rewriting the the detonation that happens to attachments, that is a space that's also improving. But from an Office 365 point of view, there's a single console, lots of cool reporting. So it's it's an improving space. Okay. So interpreting what's been going on before it happens versus in the old days, shit, there's a worm attached to a PDF that's now just being distributed because when it comes to threat protection, you can now have that richness for mail before it happens. And you can actually pick that up and look at all these dashboards that Microsoft's throwing around and say, hey, we believe that this is coming in and it came in over there and mm. this is why. So that's nice. And that's probably also where exchange people are morphing into more around security consultants. Well, you wouldn't be doing anything around storage because Microsoft gives you a 100 gig mailbox, right? So where's your storage planning going? Yeah. But you said something now which is quite pertinent. It came in. And you would have seen even in Ignite last year that a lot of emphasis that Microsoft is pushing out is on post-breach analysis. Yeah. So they're not going to market on the basis of we'll stop everything because I think we have to understand in a mature environment that you can't stop everything. You rather want to figure out where did something go wrong and then build breaches for it in the future. All right, so wrapping up the in the news, we've got a couple of webcasts coming. Um, Jeff Tipper is taking over the at SharePoint Twitter handle on Tuesday, 10th of July. So if you've got anything you want to ask him, you can jump onto Twitter. And just remember that if you use at SharePoint, only at SharePoint will see it. If you use at SharePoint at the beginning of your tweet, uh, that's just uh, two guys in SharePoint uh, top tip. So always say, hey, at, and everyone on Twitter will see that. We've also got a live customer plus MVPs panel webinar straight from Microsoft on Wednesday, July 13th to talk to one of their customers, Shire. And we actually had Shire out here for share this year. Um, some of the, some of the conversations. Do you guys have sort of like ask Microsoft anything like AMAs for exchange? Yeah, 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 we do. I think there's one happening later and I've actually got to jump on uh, the collab talk one. And then there's an on-demand webcast on Wednesday, July 19th around, what is this? Around an ebook, The Four Secrets to a Connected uh, Workspace. Anything on your side around webinars that people should look out for, the exchange people that you could think of off the top of your head? Outside of the ones that you've participated in. Goodness me. So exchange, I'm sorry to say, isn't the most exciting space at the moment from an on-premises point of view. Okay. And obviously we're leading up to Ignite. So there's a lot of quietness while the pixies are working their magic. There's a lot of pressure that we're putting on Microsoft to say, well, what's happening with this and what's happening with that? And obviously from an MVP point of view, and, and you'll recognize this, there's things that you know that you're not allowed to talk about. Well, I'll recognize it for the next <laughs> <laughs> two sleeps and then start worrying about it. Yes. So there are things that we both know that are coming out that we're not allowed to, to talk about. And there's some very exciting announcements. Well, that's if you say it like us and are <laughs> excited about technology. Yeah. There's some very exciting announcements coming out, like, beep. <laughs> that is true. All right, so upcoming events, you mentioned uh, there's Microsoft Inspire 
that starts on the 9th. There's the Big Ignite conference, and then we've also got a conference in Vegas. Well, SharePoint's going back to Vegas. It's not a Microsoft conference. It's sponsored by Microsoft, so get that out of your way. But those are the things that are coming up in the next three. Well, no, SharePoint conference in Vegas is next year, but we've got the old WPC, which is now called Inspire, from the 9th to the 13th, 9th to the 12th of July in Washington, D.C., and then Ignites in Orlando. Yes, on the 25th of September. Yeah, it's a full week. When do you get in? Uh, whatever the weekend is beforehand, I'll be taking part in a pre-day, funny enough, about Exchange Hybrid. Oh, wow. And then I don't know if I've been given any speaking slots. As that matures, I'll be sure to update the world and maybe even write something on my blog. It's the 6th or 7th of July when they announce that. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the announcements have already gone out, but obviously Microsoft Focus right now is on, on Inspire. So if you're a Microsoft yeah. partner, you'll probably be going to that. Yes. Yeah, I'll be across the pond for that, um, doing some other stuff actually at Inspire. A little bit closer it. to that time frame is also the... I'm trying to remember the exact name. It's the the Microsoft UK UC Day. I may be speaking on that and at that. So that started off as an exchange only conference, and with as so many other things, it's very quickly morphed into Exchange and Office 365 and Azure. So I'll be putting my hand up, maybe for an <laughs> Azure topic or two. That is right. I've seen that UC mail go around somewhere. Mm. Okay, so moving along, we've got a new segment called Infographic of the Week. In this one, uh, there's a gentleman by the name of, well, the URL is 4Moo. Um, I think Jody Roberts retweeted this. Uh, he actually put it onto our Skype deal. The one that you make a lot of noise. Oh, well, you'd be really good at uh, recognizing that since we both make a lot of noise on that one. <laughs> So there's a nice Power BI infographic, which sort of dispels the myths around licensing and what you get for the freemium and what you have to pay for. And if you don't have this, you don't get that. It's at 4moo.com. That is the word for M-O-O, like the car.com. And you'll be able to find the latest infographic available there. And infographic is becoming a thing now because people are consuming infographics more than they're actually reading books because mm. it's instantaneous gratification. I want to know what percentage of people in Microsoft put out a shadow IT ebook, I think, two days ago. Yes, that's right. Um, and I was, oh, this is great. And then I see a number that says 23% and a blurb. And that is the information. Oh, these companies believe that they are. Your forest research says that 23% of organizations will be faced with this. Ta-da! Uh, I wanted a bit more meat to the bone, but, but that's what they come out with. And this week's PowerShell commandlet of the week is coming to you from Nick on the exchange side. Apparently, he grabbed his magic wand and, and found how many PowerShell commandlets are there for exchange? How oh, many? Many. How much time do you have? And which version of Exchange are we talking about? <laughs> Is it that bad? Well, you have Exchange Online. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Exchange On-Premises. Yes. And then there's versions of Exchange On-Premises. So bear in mind that we started with PowerShell in officially 2007. Right. And we were the first product to really adopt PowerShell and use it as it was intended to. Okay. And a lot of the Microsoft teams learned from how Exchange handled PowerShell. In the early days, I would still use PowerShell for Exchange 2003 management because we still had a WMI stack. 
So okay. I actually spent a lot oh, of my. So you used it for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I did a, a bunch of TechEd talks around how to do Exchange 2000 and 2003 management in PowerShell through WMI. Through WMI. Okay. Yeah, and of course some um, very sexy passing of logs. Who doesn't like to pass a good log at night? <laughs> but today I'll be talking about an Exchange Online commandlet. So if you try to run this on premises, it will not work. And if you're trying to impress your friends and family, you're not doing it in PowerShell. However, if you do try this in Exchange Online, then what you want to look at is the new remove calendar events commandlet. Why would you use that, Nick? Well, let's just assume, <coughs> Al, that Al got fired, but he set up a whole bunch of events moving forward, right? So Al was the events coordinator, whatever. We all, we, we all create lots of meetings. Now, the premise is that I can take a shared mailbox or a mailbox and I can remove all calendar events that that identity created. Okay. Obviously, before I delete that identity. All right. And then clear up all those calendar events for people who will now be seeing the not seeing the non-existent L. So the syntax is quite simple. It's remove dash calendar events dash identity. And then we've got a bunch of modifiers around that. However, the long and the short of it is, is that I'm able to do a remove dash calendar events dash identity. And that could be nicholas at nbconsult.co.za, which is currently my Office 365 identity. And everything that I have created in terms of calendar events will be cleaned up in a responsible manner. And can you write that to a log file so you can have it as a record? Well, you could do a dash verbose. And okay. bear in mind, it's PowerShell, so you could also enable a transcript before you start. And you can pipe it to a text file or something. Oh, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, closing off, um, this is the end of the show. And Rod usually steps in here to ask you to please like us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and um, leave us a review so that we know what you think. Uh, thanks for listening, and you can find us at twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. That's www.twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We are on the interwebs and the Twitter verses on most podcast shows, uh, If you well, on most podcast applications. And you can find Nicholas at... Nicholas Blank. And you can find me, Alistair Pugin, at Alistair Pugin. And I'm available at Odd Modlin. Thanks for being on the show. Ciao, ciao. Thank you so much. So I don't even have to record a podcast today? Sweet.